Welcome to Two Peas on a Pod. My name is Peyton, and joining me, as always, is my brother Parker. I hope that you had a great Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, we are not going to waste any time getting into it. I mean, just what do you think of it? Oh, man, we're, we're diving right in. Um, yeah. Well, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it, it, that's all there is really to say. I mean, San Francisco controlled the game. I think San Francisco played a much better game overall. But Patrick Mahomes is just the best winner in the league. He just knows how to win when the time matters. McCole Hardman catching the touchdown, pretty cool. And uh, Travis Kelsey was ready to party, and he no longer has worries of breaking up with Taylor Swift, which is another uh, good thing for him, I guess. Yeah, you kind of (laughs) did it. That was a quicker synopsis than I was prepared for. But, okay, let's, let's start off this way. I think that on a scale of like one to five, like one being Rams Patriots from a few years back when it was like nine to six and five being like Cardinals Steelers. Uh, what what would you rate this on a scale of one to five? I, I honestly put this um, in my lifetime. This is probably the fourth best Super Bowl in my opinion. Okay. I think this was a really I think this was a really good defensive matchup. I think I think both defensive coordinators did a Awesome job. I saw a lot of action from the kickers last night. Uh, a lot of long ones were made. It, it was a good Super Bowl. I mean, it went into overtime. There's not very many Super Bowls that do that. And it's Patrick Mahomes versus the number one seed in the NFC, San Francisco, who's been on a drought for now 30 years for a Super Bowl. It's a rematch from four years ago. Like, I, I think this was a really good Super Bowl. It was uh, very highly anticipated, and I think it kind of delivered. Not necessarily in the points fashion, but it delivered in like a good football game. So you would say a solid four. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is my fourth all time. This is like my number four on my list. I would put the Cardinals Steelers above this one. I would probably put the um I would put the helmet catch as right. another one. That was a really good Super Bowl. And the last one, I'd probably say the Harbaugh Bowl. Was a, okay. good, was a good football game, too. I, I think I'm probably going to put it at a four. I think in the first half, I was definitely leaning somewhere in between a two and a three because it, not necessarily saying that we need points to be entertained, but it did seem like unless you really just love defensive football, there was not a lot there for you to watch because, I mean, it's it felt like I had seen both these teams punt more than they did all year in the first half. And... Really, it wasn't until that double pass by Juwan Jennings and Christian McCaffrey that it felt like the 49ers were able to get something going in the passing game. They were able to run the ball decently, but uh, obviously the other story of the first half of this game was turnovers. I mean, there was more fumbles from the running backs than we had seen them have between Pacheco and McCaffrey than we really were used to all year. Uh, I mean, both were pretty secure runners of the football, and uh, that that was really it, it was definitely a tale of two halves, in my opinion. Once we got into the second half, it felt like both of the offensive coordinators started to figure out uh, a little bit more of what the other teams were doing to stymie them 
Uh, and also there were just less turnovers in the second half. I mean, I know that Patrick Mahomes threw an interception. I know that there were, there was the uh, Ray Ray in the cloud, you know, the punt fiasco where it hit his teammates foot, but uh, overall in the second half, I think the offenses definitely were able to get something rolling. Even if for the 49ers, it didn't result in as many points as it did for the chiefs. Both teams started to move the ball very effectively in the second half and coming away from this game, let me ask you, do what do you think that you will remember the most from the Super Bowl? I will probably remember the like you said, the slow start, you know, like how it was really slow at the beginning. I mean, the, the going into halftime, it was 10 to three, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So going into halftime, 10 three, only being one touchdown. Um, and it was a pass from Jawan Jennings. It was a trick play touchdown. I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. That that's what I remember the most probably is like how slow it started and then how good of a game it ended up being, uh, going yeah. into overtime. It being nineteen nineteen, um, and both teams really catching on in the second half. Okay, and I I want to talk a little bit more about what we think went right for the team that won, of course, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, what would you say were the main reasons that they were able to? I mean, fight their way back. I mean, they were down 10 points. This is the third Super Bowl that they've been down 10 points and come back and have won. So, I mean, it seems like Patrick Mahomes is fully comfortable playing from behind at this point. Uh, What do you think was different in that second half for the Kansas City Chiefs specifically? We talked about this uh, two weeks ago, you know, before the the five-man pod, but back whenever we talked about the Super Bowl first. um, I told you, man, I would hate, I would much rather be Kansas city ahead with the Niners behind me, then be the Niners with Kansas city behind me. You know, I would much rather be try to be chased by Brock Purdy than to be chased by Patrick Mahomes when it comes to scoring points and putting points on the board. Um, I mean, they, they just started clicking. The defense uh, stayed really strong. They kind of kept the Niners. Yes. were moving the ball well, but they couldn't get the ball in the end zone. And, that's what kept the chiefs in the game really is the fact that the Niners weren't coming down and putting seven on the board. They had to keep tacking on three, tacking on three punt, punt, tack on another three. Like it, that's, that's what made the chiefs like stay in this game after half. Yeah. Yeah. The, the inability for them to capitalize in the red zone and, or even getting close to the red zone was really what stood out to me as far as the reason why Kansas city was able to win this game. And more importantly, one player in particular, especially in the second half, stood out to me, and that was Chris Jones. Because because there were, I believe, two two plays in particular that I, I remember where first the Debo Samuel uh, possible touchdown where he was in the right corner of the end zone and Brock Purdy just overthrows him. And that was a direct result of Chris Jones. Chris Jones pressure. pressure. Right. Yeah. And there was a second play where it was a similar thing where Chris Jones essentially prevented a scoring play by pressuring Brock Purdy. And it wasn't necessarily, you know, it's funny. I I don't want to get on a tangent like this, but I I actually thought that Brock Purdy played pretty good. And I mean, uh, outside of those plays where he was pressured, I think he played fine. Um, Obviously there's some limitations that he clearly showed. I mean, he didn't run as much as we thought he would, but uh, this Kansas City defense uh, with the, I mean, Trent McDuffie had a really good game. So the Legereus Sneed, and then we had some other players coming up like that de- defensive tackle Pennell was 
all over the run game. It felt like at times where, I mean, sometimes it seemed like I had never seen Christian McCaffrey get stopped so quickly whenever he ran up the middle as he did in this game. And so uh, that was the biggest difference to me was how this defense was able to prevent the 49ers from capitalizing in the end zone. Yeah. And I, I do want to comment on now, now that we've seen how it's played out, uh, I do want to comment and maybe we can take a minute to talk about Brock Purdy. Now that we have the result, you know, he, yeah. we ever, the hype's been around him all season long and, you know, getting up into Super Bowl week, uh, half the conversations were about him. Um, right. And that now that we have the results, he did play. Uh, he played a clean football game. I think he played a very clean game. Um, you know, the, the takeaways came from the running backs for the most part in this football game. I mean, Patrick threw an interception, but I didn't expect any less from Brock Purdy than what he showed in this game. But I also didn't expect any more. Like, I feel like this was like a classic, like Brock Purdy. You know what I mean? I feel like this is what you would get out of Brock Purdy is what you got out of him in this game. If that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. And, um, and that's the difference between having Brock Purdy and Patrick Mahomes like that, that, that if, if, you know, Brock Purdy would be talked the exact opposite way. If they would have gotten the ball in overtime, went down and scored a touchdown. They would have scored yeah. a touchdown the first time. And you see, that's the difference. Now, Patrick Mahomes gets the ball for the first time. He's going to work the ball down the field and score a touchdown if he has to. Right. You right. Know? And, 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 and um, I, you know, I think we talked enough about Kansas City. I mean, like, you know, we, we will have a little bit more discussion on some of the legacy players after this game for the Chiefs. But I, I do want to talk about the 49ers a little bit. And I, I guess if you had to assign... Let's take the, you know, a pie approach, right? And let's talk about, like, if you had to assign percentages as to, like, who is to blame for this San Francisco 49ers loss after being up double digits at one point in the game, how do you assign it? How do you kind of, like, divvy that out as far as who who's the one to blame for this loss as a whole? Well, I'll tell you, the injuries did not help. Um, losing Greenlaw on a – on God. a like lo- losing him on a non, it wasn't even on a play. You know, he's just coming off the sideline to get onto the field, like to lose yeah. him. In a, and is it where the, the game had nothing to do with it? You know, it's just like, it was almost like fate. It's like, oh, it was just like a freak thing. It was I like a freak. Right. How it happened, dude. Exactly. It's just a freak thing. He goes to run onto the field and uh, has an Achilles injury. I believe it was. Yeah. It came out. Yep. So Torn Achilles, which sucks. Yeah. So. That I think kind of set the tone early in the game for their defense. Um, and I think that also set the tone for the Kansas City offense. You know, Kansas City is like, okay, that's a void we can go after. And that's why we saw Kelsey on a lot of drag routes, I feel like get open, like especially the one on the last drive of the game for them to come down and tie it up, take it to overtime. Yeah. Like the that- Travis Kelsey 20, I think it was like a 27 yard catch on a drag uh-huh. route. Like, I think that's that's what made the game kind of evolve into it being tied up. Like the fact that they could attack the middle of the field with, with a backup linebacker in Greenlaw spot. Yeah. If you, I, I don't mean to be hyperbolic like this, but I, I really do think that if Dre Greenlaw doesn't get hurt, I think that the 49ers might win the game because I, it wasn't until, because you think about what was going on in the first half and how they were able to a frustrate the heck out of Travis Kelsey, but B just completely, to eliminate him from the game plan in their offense. 
I think that Dre Greenlaw was a big factor in that because they were able to, you know, kind of swap between him and Fred Warner as, you know, being able to cover him on both sides of the field and as opposed to having one shadow. And I think that as soon as Greenlaw is off the field, they knew, like you're saying, they knew to have Kelsey attack the middle of the field at that point. And I th- and that's why we saw him have the second half he did. I mean, he ended up with nine catches, 90 plus yards. And he was, was he the leading receiver, I believe? Yes. Yeah, he was. So, so, and that all, most of that was in the second half. So I, I think that that was a big thing. I mean, the other, I mean, really the blame pie, you can, you can kind of say the, the turnovers, but then again, there were turnovers by both teams. So I don't, I think you can kind of eliminate that from being part of the blame as to why San Fran lost. But I, I think the blame that a lot of people are talking about, and I'm sure that we can just transition to this because I think he's worth talking about in this regard is uh, Kyle Shanahan. It's hard to figure out where, like what he is at this point as a head coach, because it's starting to seem like, I mean, this is the third Super Bowl that he's been involved in where he's had a double digit lead and has blown the lead and lost the Super Bowl Uh, two with the 49ers and one as the Falcons OC, which we all remember that game. And it, it it's really hard to shake the label that he has now because as great as he is a offensive play designer as innovative as he has been for the game as much of an impact he's had on the game of football i don't know what happens to him in these games i i, I can't figure out where and i don't know that i can necessarily say there was any one decision that kind of like maddened me there's something about i don't know if it, do you think he's cursed about as cursed as the Cowboys are at this point. I mean, I I don't think it's that he's cursed, man. I mean, you got to look at what he went up against. He went up against Patrick Mahomes, who now everyone is talking that he is the greatest football talent the sport has ever seen. And he went up against a coach that now is in the argument of, well, he was in the argument, but now, in my opinion, takes place of Bill Belichick's spot in the greatest coach of all time in the NFL. Like that's what they uh, played against. Okay, hold up. All right, maybe not that. that we're not at that point yet. That, that's where I, Andy Reid, dude. Andy Reid is my favorite. But he, in my rankings, he has been able to evolve with the game, and the game has evolved so much from when he started coaching to where he is now, and he's still winning. And Bill Belichick now isn't even on a team, and Bill Belichick has had Tom Brady his whole career. So what's the difference with Andy Reid having Patrick Mahomes? I think Andy Reid is doing is going to do more with. Uh, it's tough to say, but I think Andy Reid's going to do more with Patrick Mahomes than Belichick did with Tom Brady. And Andy Reid is kind of in the, uh, like, I'd say he's with, like, Bill Walsh at this point. It's kind of where I put him. I think that that's where I would put him. I think, if, and Bill Walsh was considered the greatest head coach before Bill Belichick. So I don't think Andy Reid's far off of Bill, but I, I think that there's a little bit of slow in our role whenever we talk about him being this, the greatest head coach over no. Bill Belichick. I'm not even really talking about accolades either. Like if there was a coach that I'd rather have coach my team, I'm taking Andy Reid over Bill Belichick every day of the week. And I think currently sure. Five years ago, I think I'm doing the same thing. That's hard to say. That's see. Now we're getting like first take talk. Once, well, once I, well, once, yeah, well, once I saw, once I saw Tom Brady leave them and see what happened to their team with one of the best quarterbacks in the draft, you know, with Mac Jones going to their team and just him not being able to do anything with it. Like is I mean he it, made the playoffs with Mac Jones. Let's not act like he didn't do anything. It wasn't up to Patriot standard. It wasn't up to Bill Belichick standard. And it, 
the next three seasons after that was the best thing they did. The next three seasons after just went to trash. Okay. We can, we can table that debate for a different, but I do want to, but I do want to say this because I, I do find it poetic in this way that, you know, I was trying to think of who, because Kyle Shanahan winning this would have put him in a different light kind of. And it's funny because I think that he reminds me a lot of, the other coach that was involved in this game and the way that we talked about him. I'm starting to think that Kyle Shanahan is just Andy Reid all over again, because as we remember, Andy Reid was not viewed as he is today. Andy Reid was the coach that could get there or get close when he was the coach of the Eagles, but he could never win it. And it wasn't until he got to Kansas city and he got Patrick Mahomes and that once he won it, Everybody said, okay, it's time for us to to finally – he got the monkey off his back, so to speak. And so part of me wonders – I mean, I'm not saying that Kyle has to switch teams because I think as long as Kyle Shanahan is is alive, I think he's going to be a head coach in the NFL, whether it be for the 49ers or another team. He's just always going to be a head coach. Part of me wonders if it's just going to go right for him one year, and then as soon as that happens, kind of the floodgates open a little bit because My- – we we definitely thought of Andy Reid the same way that we kind of think of Shanahan now. Do you foresee the Niners ever getting rid of Shanahan? I think if John Lynch is out, I think Shanahan also goes out. I, I think that they came in together, and I think that especially after the Trey Lance trade, I think if they, I think if they mismanage this whole Brock Purdy situation and the way that they construct the roster, uh, given that they're going to have to sign him at some point, if they fail to create a team around him in a way or, or, you know, we don't know if they they may end up signing a quarterback of free agency. Who knows? They might sign Kirk cousins. I doubt they do that, but it's not off the table. But if they mismanage these next two seasons, I I think both of them are probably out of there. Yeah. uh, Okay. So then, so here's the next question about Kasha in hand. Does he win a super bowl with the 49ers? I think he missed it. I I think I think, I think he missed it. I think he missed he it. Probably. I think Twice. he probably That's a really tough question. I I'll say this. I think that they have one more year. I think that they can win it next year. I I really do because they still have some flexibility cap-wise. It's I'd have not to see lot, the cap. I'd have to see the cap and see who's like, got to get paid. Like, you know, I got to see who's keep yeah. staying and going. They they're, they're going to end up losing Ayuk, which is a pretty big loss for them. But you got to think they still have McCaffrey. They still have Purdy, obviously, who's uh, he he solves the problem at quarterback for the time being. After all said and done, Debo's still under contract next year. Kittle, I believe, is still under contract. I, I think that they have one next year to win it, and I think after I, there's, I think their their window in San Francisco is over. I think Kyle would have to go to another team and just start over in order for him to have another chance at the Super Bowl. But I mean, the thing is, it, Kyle Shanahan is not that old. I mean, he's he's like he's not he's older than the McVeighs and those guys. But he, I know, but I feel like he got San Fran right to where he needed it to be, and then I, just and fell I agree short. With you. you know, and then I, just I fell know. short. Like that's yeah. what sucks about it is he's been, you know, he's he's kind of made it the way he needed to make it, and that's why I just that that's why my consensus was is that he missed. Like he missed yeah. it. I think this year I, was the perfect opportunity. I think what's going to happen is he's going to f- find his way. After you know, given if he doesn't end up winning a Super Bowl next year or maybe the year after, depending on what happens, uh, 
I think that it, I would say it's more likely that he wins a Super Bowl with a team other than the 49ers. Because I think I changed my answer in the middle of that because the, now I'm thinking about it. I, I wonder if a team that has, let's say that like kind of like a Herbert situation. I think that a team that has the guy, right? Like the franchise quarterback that just needs the coach. I think that that could come about whenever it comes time for Kyle Shanahan to find a new job. I think that whether it be a, like, would it shock you if Zach Taylor got fired in two years and Kyle Shanahan goes and takes the Bengals job? No, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, That's the kind of job that I think that he would take. And then he would just have the guy that is a difference making kind of quarterback that is capable of getting in there. So you you brought up this guy's name, and I want to bring this up for just a second um, as we're transitioning off of Shanahan a little bit. Yeah, uh, Trey Lance. What do you think about the Niners getting rid of Trey Lance now that I mean, obviously Brock Purdy is still going to be their starter, but do you see this game going differently if like maybe Trey Lance played this season instead of? No, Purdy? no. I I actually think it it probably went the best it could the best given, it could have okay i mean like if if you tell me that that jimmy garoppolo brock purdy and trey lance are all in the same quarterback room and they're all on the active roster for the super bowl right i, yeah. I at this point i'm taking brock purdy over yeah trey lance okay. and jimmy yeah that's right. the way i feel about it okay well i we did we just haven't seen trey lance play a lot of football you know and they got rid of him for so little and i feel like he just kind of got written off after his injury, you know, like Brock Purdy came in, did it, you know, did well and they just never turned back. So I, I don't know. I was just asking your opinion because you that, brought up that Trey is, is going to be that. Well, I brought it up because that's really going to be the, like the biggest stain on this, this regime's roster or their, their resume is the Trey Lance trade. The because fact that, that they took Trey Lance at, the, at a spot they moved up for and then later got rid of him pretty much wasted that pick. Correct. Whenever that that is the type of asset allocation that you that you just can't mismanage. I mean, it's been talked about a lot since that trade has been made, what they gave up and what those assets ended up being. And I'm not going to get into that right now. But as far as really on the San Francisco side of it, like I still think that CMC like this is not this was a great CMC game. I think he played really, really well in this game. Like had they won the game, I think he's Super Bowl MVP. Um, Absolutely. As far as other other kind of legacy items, I think that Travis Kelsey, there's a conversation to be made that he's possibly the greatest receiving tight end that we've ever seen, if not already been determined that. Um, I think that as far as greatest tight ends ever, I think it's – I don't want to say he is because I think that Gronk is still up there. I think Gronk's still probably the best tight end I've ever seen play. Um, you know, you have the Tony Gonzalez's and things of that nature, but – he he's definitely solidified himself as I believe like a top five tight end of all time at the very least. Uh, he's he's top three. I don't really think there's too many names outside of those three that you just named that are that are up to that standard. You know, yeah. That I like mean, Tony. I think Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and Gronk. I think they're all three the best in their own ways. As far as players who have also kind of strengthen their legacy of, of course you know we have to talk about Patrick Mahomes I mean I, I don't want to get into the him versus Brady talk at all but I do think that he is in the rarest of rarefied air at this point um he's not even 29 yet 
he won't be 29 until next season starts, which is just absurd. Um, and I, I don't think that we can say much that's super interesting that hasn't already been said by everybody out there. He's just the best quarterback in the game right now. And I do, I do think that the one thing that this has showed me, and I, not that I was a Patrick Mahomes detractor before, but I think that it's now he, he is solidified as he's in a tier by himself. Because I think before I probably would have said it's him, Allen, and Lamar, Lamar probably in the same tier. Yeah, I would. And I, then the I, next tier is like Burroughs and and, yeah, and the Hurts yeah. and the. But yeah. I think after this, I think he is, despite even if he didn't have the most Ooh. impressive game. I mean, it's crazy that he didn't have an impressive game and he had three hundred plus yards and sixty plus yards rushing in the game, and it was like, oh, it wasn't a great Patrick Mahomes game. I mean, he threw the ball forty six times. Yeah. And he completed it 34 of the 46 right. times. Like he played a good game at 333 yards, two touchdowns, threw a pick eh. Super Bowl playing against a good defense. It happens. The best word I can really think about for Patrick Mahomes, like really just to put it all in one word is that he is the most reliable. Like he's just reliable. He's just, you can always count on him to do, to perform at his, at his best. You know, I, I just think, when you have Patrick Mahomes on your team, it's like, okay, the quarterback position is taken care of times 100. You know, a lot of teams have trouble with that position all the time. It's the most difficult position to fill, and it's just that having Patrick Mahomes on your roster and having him under contract is like, okay, we don't have to worry about quarterback ever until he retires if you're the chief. He's, he's going to be a lifelong chief. And the only other, like, kind of – legacy item I want to talk about. It's not really a legacy, but it's one storyline that I found didn't get the coverage it deserved. And that's, I, I would almost call it like the prodigal son story that is McCall Hartman. Because I, I think that for the, you know, for the average football fan, I think that they don't realize how big a deal that moment was for McCall Hartman. McCall Hartman Former second round pick for the Kansas City Chiefs back in, I believe it was 20, what, 18? Yeah, I think yeah. it was 18. Was pegged as the successor to Tyree Kill, basically the next Tyree Kill. He was a fast, undersized receiver who was on the team with Tyreek. And it was pretty much writing all the wall that he was going to take over after Tyreek's contract was up because Tyreek wasn't going to get paid by Kansas City. Turns out McCole Hardman is not a good wide receiver. He had several mistakes that he made. I mean, they, there was a couple of, of games where, I mean, he had the, the game where they played against the Buffalo Bills and he fumbled out of the end zone on a scoring play. I don't know if you remember that. Yes, I did. Uh, when he was still on the Chiefs. I believe that that was his last year with the Chiefs. I think that I was believe. the first time I ever saw the touchback rule. Yeah, where yeah, the fumble out of the end zone. Yeah, I think yeah. that was the first one I ever saw, which was why I remember it. So, he, and... Across the years with the Chiefs, he had a couple moments like that, and it became very apparent that he was no longer a part of their future plans. They end up, I believe, cutting him, or maybe eh, I, they end up not re-signing him. He signs a one-year deal with the Jets from this past season. Uh, he's on Hard Knocks, very minor character, nobody important. He's on the Jets for probably half the season. Ends up signing with the, the Chiefs because familiar face and... Lord knows the Chiefs did not have any wide receivers. They were struggling. They had nobody they could trust at all. Hardman hadn't really had any playing time. Probably got, I think he got in the last week or so of the season. 
and he showed his face a couple times in those playoff games, maybe like one or two targets. And for him to be the guy that they decided to run the play known as Corndog at the end of overtime with time expiring, and he's the one that ends up catching the Super Bowl winning touchdown. To me, that is a really poetic way for this story to end for him. Like, I I know that he's probably going to have a couple more years in the league, but for him to be pegged as the guy who is going to be the next Tyreek Hill, be a failure at doing just that, and then somehow finding his way back onto the team and being the reason why they win the Super Bowl is just one of the underrated parts of this story, of this Super Bowl specifically. There's only one part of the story that I kind of disagree with is you said he was like right there at the end. You said he was the reason they won the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. Maybe not the reason, I, I, but he, was, yeah, I, he wasn't I, the reason, but no, you understand yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, no, no. I think that's a really cool storyline Uh, being the fact that, you know, he's been in Kansas City for uh, the Super Bowls of recent, you know, the last two. Uh, He was there for the one where they lost against the Bucks. So it, it, it is cool seeing him come back and do his thing. My my favorite part about the McCall Hardman scoring a touchdown thing is that, um, so you know how they did overtime and there was like an extra quarter that they yes. added on, like whatever, whatever. Well, McCall Hardman didn't know he won the Super Bowl when he caught the touchdown. Right. Until <laughs> Patty Mahomes like ran up to him and was like, we're champions, baby. And he was just like, oh, dang, dude, we won the Super Bowl. Like, that's it. <laughs> like, I don't know if he thought that, like, they would have to kick off again. You know, like, I didn't know if he thought there was, like, it's, a whole It's funny that, like, some, not even, like, because it came out that the 49ers, like, staff didn't really know either. But it's funny how even the players in the moment didn't, didn't really understand how the overtime rules were going to work. Yeah, right. So, but they're, uh, pl- they're playing on most of their biggest stage of their career. And they're like, right. I don't know the rules to this game, but we're just going to play football. <laughs> we're just right. gonna, we're going to let the coaches figure this one out. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think that we've talked about the Super Bowl as probably as much as we can without repeating ourselves uh, a little bit. I think that every point that's been made that needs to be has been said. And uh, that really the last question I want to ask you is like, what now for each of these teams? I-, I think with the Chiefs, it's a little obvious. Like what now is they they go back to back first team to go back to back since the Patriots in 03 and 04. And so almost exactly 20 years apart. And they now have the chance to become the first team to to get three in a row ever, which would be an amazing achievement. And, uh, you know, I know people probably don't want that to happen because now Mahomes is the new Brady. So everybody's going to hate Patrick Mahomes at this point if they don't already. And um, I I, I guess, you know, once again, they're going to have a target on their back, but is there anything else with the Chiefs that like you you kind of want to pay attention to going into this offseason outside of that? Well, I, I do want to talk about something you just said for just a second, then we'll get on to the Chiefs going into the offseason. But is I don't know if you're like this, but so a lot of people hate on LeBron James, right? A lot of people don't like LeBron James. A lot of people didn't like Tom Brady. I like Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if it's because I like an NFC team, but like me personally, like, I don't like the nostalgia necessarily of like the chiefs, like with his, I don't like all the drama that comes with him, you know, as far as like his wife goes and the whole Taylor Swift extravaganza, like if they were on the Cowboys, I'd be kind of upset. Yeah. I think I understand where you're going because I I'm right there with you because I, I think that Brady, Brady was the one that we grew up with that both you and I, I think shared a hatred for, I think everybody hated Brady. If you were right. a Patriots fan, 
Yeah. And and with Mahomes, I feel the same way. I, I don't hate Mahomes. And I think that one thing that I've I've matured in this way because I remember I used to hate LeBron too. Especially Heat LeBron. I did not like it whenever LeBron was on the Heat. And really what I learned is that it's so much easier to cheer and be like amazed by what amazed he's doing and just appreciate greatness than to just hate on it. Right. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Cause like I've, I've kind of learned that too, because I, I didn't like Brady, but yet again, it makes me think like, is it just because he's Patrick Mahomes? Like what, if the next guy that does this, am I going to hate that guy or, you know, now, I will, last... I, I, I will say if, in my opinion, if Brock Purdy somehow became what Patrick Mahomes is, I think I might be a little annoyed, but yeah, see, I don't <laughs> think I'd like, right. And maybe cause it's just like seventh round guy, but Patrick Mahomes was a big, you know, big guy coming out, but he didn't start right off the rip in the NFL. So he came right. off, he came off a second year. So, um, but what now let's get into the off season now that we've kind of had that talk real quick. Yeah, um, I, it sounds like we're probably turning the page really quickly, but like the, the season's over, like it's I it. Mean, it you know? Everyone watched the Super Bowl. Everyone saw the same thing we did. And we kind of just, it is what it is. We could gripe all day, but there is no next week to like prove, or there is no right. next week to predict. Like the next thing to predict is how do we go into the season next year, which is what we're about to get yeah. into. Yeah. So we'll talk I, a little bit more about this in depth in the off season, but I, I just want to like, if you have any thoughts about the thing that you're going to be looking for this off season for each team, I just want to hear about it. Yeah. The, the chiefs, you know, I think it's more like just ride the wave. Cause it, I mean, it's not Travis Kelsey's coming back. So I think for them, it's just like, you know, keep as many bodies that you can, uh, as far as like, you know, this off season goes, keep kind of keep, the same thing you have going um, for the most part. Uh, if they can pick up an extra piece, great. If they can't, I think this team is still good enough to go back and do it again uh, next year. Another thing is like player like Travis Kelsey needs to stay healthy. So that's something to kind of follow in the offseason, see how he's doing um, like, you know, health wise, because he's just getting older and he sat out of a lot of games this year. And I think if he does that again next year, it could come back to bite him because they did have a rocky like, regular season versus what they're normally used to uh, with Patrick yeah. Holmes at quarterback. So, and then as far as the Niners go, man, I mean, same thing for them really is like, just watch who they have to get rid of because yeah. like Austin said last week, like Iuke is probably not going to be a Niner next year. Like I, uh, yeah. Cause they, I don't think they're going to pay him. No. And someone else is, someone else is going to pay Iuke, uh exactly what he deserves. Um, to a team with probably a young quarterback. So that's pretty much it for this team. I mean, you really just got to watch who they're going to lose and really see who they keep and how they manage their money because they have a lot of big names on this squad that a lot of other teams uh, would be willing to pay uh, to have. So that's what's going to hurt this Niners team. Um, if not this year, I th if they can keep enough players this year, the year after that, it is really going to, you know, break the bank whenever you have to finally pay Brock. Yeah. I, I think to, to add on to what you said there, I think that like the players that I'm most interested to see, like what they do with them is Trent Williams because he's getting older. Uh, he was injured a few games. He's still one of the best left tackles in football, but obviously we're coming to the end of the road, probably at some point here soon with him. You know, I was thinking if they won it this year that he was done. Yeah, he would have retired for sure. You know, and I yeah. don't I don't know if he's gonna give it one more go and maybe just stick with this team or if he might be one of those kind of mercenary left tackles where he signs with a, another contender who might need a left tackle just for a year 
we'll see. But uh, it'd be interesting to see what they do with him. Same thing with, I mean, really, it's it, the other two weapons. I mean, Ayuk and Kittle, obviously, are, are going to be the ones that I'll be watching more closely to see what they end up doing long term uh, this year. And then, I mean, defensively, everything's pretty much the same. I mean, they're going to get uh, Ofunga back off of injury going into next year. Uh, I believe that most other players aside from Chase Young uh, are going to be on this roster. So I don't think that it's panic button, you know, type of stuff for the 49ers defense. I think that they're still going to be well in, in contention to be the favorite in the NFC next year. Um, I just think it's kind of run it back season other than maybe the Ayuk. uh, contract but i think everybody else aside from him will probably be back and then on the kansas city side the only thing that i'm going to be really watching for is really two things i mean they're first off they're the youngest defense in the league so they're pretty much everybody on that team is going to be back except for i believe uh legerius sneed i believe is a free agent so they might have to re-sign him and then chris jones is the other one who's a free agent now I, now i've i've heard or i've seen it all over the place that so chris jones probably will not return to the kansas city chiefs is that I, I, I think likely. that, well, he almost didn't play this year. If you remember, right. He sat yeah. out the first, he game. sat out the first, yeah. The first week. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that maybe, I think maybe he's probably said, okay, I, I, I think I'm going to go do my own thing after winning this one. Who do, or, or maybe, maybe he signs a one year deal. I have no idea. It, that's a, that's a big one though, because he's still one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league right now. I mean, do you stay just in case they do three Pete? Like, do you, that, that's uh, you would thing. think like, you want to be, a, he's, he'd be a part of all three of those. So, right. you know, like it would be a big thing for a defensive lineman, uh, right. as far as like legacy goes in the NFL, you know, like how much right. do you care about your legacy? You leave once you're done playing football. Uh, I, yeah. I think that would be another thing that he might take into it, you know, factor into his decision. Yeah. Like being, being the only, you know, team to ever go three times in a row and being the primary defensive uh pass rusher on that team i, I i'm i'm with all, you on that. all three years i mean it's not like right. they had another guy the last two or last right. year and, this and year. being like an all pro all three mm-hmm. years as well like yeah. that might be something that is important to him um and then outside of that i mean obviously I, the thing is that there's nobody there's no contracts aside from the chris jones and legerious need contracts that like need to be renewed like on the offense they got money like they can pay somebody to come in. I mean, I, if they if they get somebody like a yeah, I'm not saying Brandon, now you could go there, but uh, like a DeAndre Hopkins or somebody like that uh, to be there. I mean, heck, even if you go sign like a value deal with like Marquise Brown, like even that gets me like super excited for the fact that this offense is going to be a, a lot better given that they have one at least one competent wide receiver on the team. I mean, yeah, I, I really do think Patrick Mahomes could use um you know like a like a not I mean he's old now, but I'm thinking back in the day, you know, Aaron Rodgers had Jordy Nelson, but like he needs a Randall Cobb. Like he needs a guy that's like a good um, you know, route running guy that he can rely that has decent hands, like yeah. kind of like Cowboys. I will say, say Rasheed Rashi is kind of on his way to being a good number two. I don't know if he'll no. ever be a true one, but Rasheed yeah. is, is proving to be at least ha- a half reliable receiver at this point. Well, it, it's kind of like the it's kind of like the Ravens, like because they have Mark Andrews, like because Patrick Mahomes has Travis Kelsey, that is going to be their one, you know, like yes. they have, yeah. That is going to be their one. So it's almost like they need to have two guys that are like good twos. They don't need a wide receiver one. They just need like two good two wide receivers, yeah. which is why I'm bringing up like the second guy 
Um, DeAndre Hopkins is a perfect example. Yeah. I wonder if they could get Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Dude, they're they're not going to get Tyreek. I mean, it's a joke. But I, I think that that's <laughs> enough for the uh, Super Bowl. I think that, you know, we'll close the book on the 2023 NFL season. And uh, it's kind of hard because, I mean, now, you know, we've only really been potting since NFL season. But we are going to talk a little bit more closing items before we get off the NFL. Uh, first off, let's just touch on uh, the, Mike Zimmer was hired as a Cowboys DC. And of course, we got to talk about the Cowboys every episode. And um, <laughs> I, I guess he was the Vikings head coach. So there's some connections there. Uh, I actually like the move for the Dallas Cowboys. I, I think Zimmer is a great defensive coordinator. I, I like the move, too. I mean, I, I think if you're going to go from, you know, Dan Quinn to somebody else, I think Mike Zimmer is a respectable choice. Um, he's a guy that has head coaching experience in Minnesota. He actually took Minnesota to an NFC championship, I believe. Yeah. So he, he, he has experience, you know, playoff, uh, football knowledge as far as being a head coach. And then he's always been, uh, the defensive guy for Minnesota and Minnesota is actually uh, pretty notorious for having a, a solid defense, um, ever since I can remember watching Minnesota. So uh, I'm excited for Mike Zimmer to come to the Cowboys. I, I think that'll be a pretty Pretty good fill for, you know, better than what I would have expected, probably. I, I would agree with that. And the last thing we're going to talk about, uh, which we're getting to a point with the Hall of Fame where the players that we grew up watching are now getting inducted, which is a very yeah, weird feeling. We're getting old. Yeah. Really cool. <laughs> yeah. We're um, getting old, old. So so we uh, we do have the Hall of Fame members for this next class and i if you want i'll go ahead and let you read off the list all right so first you have uh devin hester then you have andre johnson dwight freeney julius peppers patrick willis steve mcmichael and randy gratishar uh, were there any i mean i don't know if you were really I don't know if you pay attention to the finalists. I typically like to look at the finalist list before they announce who makes it because I want to know who who really is in contention for these spots. And were there any of the uh, players that made it you were maybe surprised that made it over some others or even some snubs that took place? Like a big one that people were kind of, you know, surprised didn't make it was uh, Antonio Gates, for instance. And were there any others that you were surprised didn't make it that ended up being on the finalist list? It, it this is this is tough like and i think that we're going to see this more often going forward um it, getting in the hall of fame is not a shoe in like it's not an easy thing to do like uh if i'm not mistaken baseball like their hall of fame is massive am i wrong like it's i feel yeah, like it's... a lot of players get into the mlb hall of fame like the nfl hall of fame it's six players every year that's it it's six people every year and what is it? You have to be out of the league for five years after five years after you retire, you become eligible. Correct. So there is a long list of names of guys that are, that are good enough to get in that just don't because they only pick so many people. Um, but this year, I mean, you gotta, you gotta look at like Tory Holt and you gotta look at um, Antonio Gates and you gotta look at Fred Taylor and Reggie Wayne. And they're all great household names, you know, as far as football, as we know it growing up. And it's weird seeing them be put up against these guys. Like, for example, Devin Hester. Right. Like, like Devin greatest Hester, returner in greatest returner, right. Greatest returner in the history of the game. 
but there's no one else in the Hall of Fame that's in the Hall of Fame for kick returning, if I'm not right. mistaken. Like, he's right. the only guy like that. So you would think normally, like, okay, Reggie Wayne or Tory Holtz or Antonio Gates are going to take the spot over a return man, over the Forrest Gump of the NFL. You know, like, think about it that way. Like, okay. like yeah. think about it that way. You know what I mean? Like, he's on the team to return. He's not on the team yeah. to catch touchdowns. I think he has 16 receiving touchdowns his whole career. And he has 20 return touchdowns. So other than being a return man, I mean, he wasn't that productive where Antonio Gates kind of mastered his position. I'm not saying Devin Hester didn't master that position, but it's just a weird position to be picked over like a tight end. That's considered one of the greatest tight ends of all time. I I, I think I can understand where you're coming from. Cause I, I think but, I kind of agree with you. I think, but granted, I think it's really cool that Devin Hester is in. No, I do too. I don't, I'm not like, it, there's only six guys. You can only pick six and every year it gets harder and harder because right. every year it gets harder and harder. Cause like, honestly, now that they missed their rookie class to get into the hall of fame, like it might be 12 years before some, they make it because there's so many some other them, names. Yeah. yeah. Like you're not, you might not see Tory Holt until 2034. Yeah. Going and, to the and, Hall of Fame. And I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like sometimes that happens. I mean, Chris Carter was one where it took him, I think, like 10 years until the last year of his modern era eligibility to get in. And so a guy like that's that's kind of where we're going to get to is where guys like that. It's like, wow, he it took him until the very last year that he was eligible to get in. Yeah. I mean, sometimes especially for wide receivers, because we're getting into the passing era. Of, of players at this point. So we're going to get into like a log jam of wide receivers at some point here soon. And we're already there. I mean, like Andre Johnson, theoretically to everybody should have been a first ballot and he didn't even get in on the first ballot. So right. it's really, and now with him, every single team in the NFL has a hall of famer, which is really cool in, in my opinion. Now that we have, especially with it being Andre Johnson, who one of the most underrated wide receivers of my childhood, if you ask me. Granted, he's a Hall of Famer, but still underrated. No, Andre um, Johnson was very underrated uh, because he played for yeah. the Texans. That was it. That yeah, was the reason. yeah. I, I, I personally am a really big fan of the uh, Patrick Willis selection. I think that Patrick Willis, he had, I believe he only played eight years. But, dude, holy cow. Like, he was probably... I think that if he played five more years, I think we would think of him the same way that we think of Ray Lewis. Yeah, did, wasn't it me and you that had the Patrick Willis Luke Keekley conversation? Yes, on the show? we had a we had the Patrick the, the, Willis Luke Keekley debate. Yes, yeah, correct. I, I think we did. But yeah, I love that name on this list because you were bringing Luke Keekley to the table, and I was bringing Patrick Willis to the table. I think right. it was right. So um, no, I I like this pick. I I like the I like the list of names. I mean, I you know you gotta you gotta pay respect to to Julius Peppers. You know he's got to get in there. He was a really yeah. good D- Dwight Freeney, same way. Yeah. Um, big part of the Colts uh, Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. So you know th- those guys got to get in too. Yeah, yeah. There there really were. I mean, personally, I'm kind of annoyed. You know, I, I would have loved to have seen Jared Allen get in, but I can understand why he didn't. So right. I'm not even mad. I'm not, I'm really not upset about any of the snubs. Maybe Antonio Gates is like the only one that I'm like, really? He didn't get in because so, he was, but, he was the man dude. Like his stats are just insane. They're he has, he has end. some like insane advanced analytics stats where it's like one, uh, he like, there's some crazy stat. And I'm not going to like recite it right here, but it's something to the extent of like out of basically a third of his catches resulted in first downs, which is nuts. Like that's just how effective he was to that Chargers passing game over his entire career. 
but I, I think that we can uh, we can close the book on the 2023 NFL season with that. And uh, we'll move on to our uh, just something to close out the show with. We did have the NBA trade deadline, and uh, you know, unfortunately, not a whole lot of blockbusters. Uh, there were some important moves, but nothing really groundbreaking. And I have a couple of trades that really interested me, but was there anything that interested you as far as particular moves that some of these teams made? So the biggest one for me is the Grant Williams, Seth Curry trade um, with PJ Washington. And another interesting thing that a lot of people, uh, you know, you look at those two, you're like, okay, but it sends Gordon Hayward to OKC, you know, not that Gordon Hayward's awesome, but like, it's another guy. I mean, another guy, you know, another name on, on the OKC roster that you can rely on for certain things like free throws late game or shooting late game or, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's not terrible for the Thunder. I just, I kind of wish they would have like got a center because they don't really have a ton of like big men on that team. Yeah. It's like a whole lot of wings and, and, you know, SGA pretty much. So, yeah. Um, but as far as that Mavs trade, I, I'm really intrigued by that. I, I, apparently, Grant Williams, like, just that was apparently one of the worst free agent signings in a while, as far as like team fit goes, because he was just from the get go, it just did not go well. Apparently, in that locker room. Yeah, but he was good and scrappy uh, for the Celtics, which is surprising. Yeah, he goes to the Mavs and just kind of falls off. You know, like yeah, it's like it's like he didn't get very many minutes. He just it yeah. just didn't work. Yeah, I think for them trying to get off of that contract, though, I think P.J. Washington is actually like a good option to to kind of really slot into the same position as that wing. Uh, and P.J. Washington shoots threes really good. On, and he, I hate using the term three and D because I think it's overused. But P.J. Washington is pretty that, – that's what he can offer to this Mavs team. And that's kind of all that they need him to do because I think – Really, they just need reliable defenders, and he's a great one at wing, at the wing position. Um, the other moves, I mean, the 76ers did some interesting things. I wasn't sure what direction they were going to go after the Embiid injury, but uh, they traded for Buddy Heald, and they signed Kyle Lowry. So it does seem like they're still going to try and like make a push. Make a push, and hope yeah. that Embiid comes <laughs> back soon. Yeah, when Embiid does come back, that is going to be interesting. Because... Yeah. You know, Kyle Lowry is not a player that, I mean, he later, late in his career, he doesn't take a lot of shots. So I think that's going to favor Embiid a lot. Uh, the yeah. fact that Kyle Lowry um, is just a scrappy point guard, has, yeah. you know, a little bit of speed and uh, good handles and just likes likes to get the ball for his yeah. team. So I, I think that'll help Embiid a lot. And, you know, having Buddy Heald, I mean, just another guy that's just lights out from three you know, a really good three-point shooter, That that's only going to help this team. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, involving the 76ers, uh, Pat Beverly uh, got traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. Not really a big deal, but he, he is a well-known figure in the NBA and seems like he might probably offer some minutes to that second unit for the Bucks. See, I, th- I, think that, I think that Kyle Lowry and Pat Bev play the same game. It's just a lot cleaner and more professional on Kyle Lowry's level than it is from like Patrick Beverly's level when it comes to like the media and all the trash talking and just the name of Pat Bev, you know, on your roster. Sure. Uh, Another trade. I mean, Steven Adams got traded to the Houston Rockets from the Grizzlies. Uh, That that's an interesting one from a sense of 
it does seem like the Rockets maybe want to try and make a push to be a play-in team or even uh, maybe try and sneak into the playoffs. Probably not the 60, but they, it does seem like they maybe want to continue trying to push for the play-in, which is tough to do in the West. Uh, but another team, I'll save the last one as kind of the the last one to talk about with our trade deadline talk here. But one, before that, one team that I have no idea what the hell they're doing is the Toronto Raptors. Because a- after making the OG and Anobi trade, they they go and they trade four, not trade away, they trade four, Kelly Olenek and Oshio Baji from the Utah Jazz, and they trade their first-round pick as well, I believe. Which doesn't make any sense to me, because that pick is going to be... Even, I know this draft class upcoming is like a really, really down class from what we're used to, but I, I don't exactly know what type of build they're going for because it just seems like they have a bunch of random guys and no exact direction well you know the good old saying man one step forward two steps back that's what it seems <laughs> I, like, I, with them, like man. you know i i feel like they did make a good move and then they went out and just like contradicted it you know getting yeah. og and anobi i think with, i think that, we were just praising them for that like two weeks ago <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> and now we're like wait hold on hold the phone what what's going on here right so so I see where you're coming from. Uh, you, it's kind of confusing. I, you know, like you said, there's there's just a bunch of names, and they're all none of them are going the same direction. They're all kind right. of bouncing it's, off each other instead of meshing. Right. It's like Kelly Olenek and Jakob Pertl, who are veterans, veteran right. bigs, and then you have Scotty Barnes, R.J. Barrett, and Emmanuel Quickly. <laughs> and it's like pick pick a direction is the way that I'm and, and, and to... then and then you have a coach who thinks Scotty Barnes is the next guy in the NBA. I I do like Scotty Barnes. So I'm I, I, I like Scotty, but he's like he's saying like he's the next guy. Yeah. Um, like, eh. the, okay. But but the last trade I do want to talk about because I think it was probably the most important, if you will, outside of the Mavs trade and maybe the 76ers moves, was what what the New York Knicks did after they got OG and Nobi. Uh they on the trade deadline, went and got Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks from the Pistons, and they only gave up Quentin Grimes, Malachi Flynn, and Evan Fournier, and some second-round picks. And to that, I say bravo, New York Knicks. Like, I, I can't believe how much I like what they're doing because the Knicks have been a team that really since I've been watching basketball in the mid-2000s have been a team that I've never understood what they're trying to do as a team. <laughs> from the roster build. No, I totally agree. I we've seen the Knicks go through so many stages. Like we saw the, you know, back Amari Stoudemire and, and the JR, yeah. the Mello, the JR Smith, the yeah. Jer, the Jeremy Lin. We've seen sure. the, you know, we, we've seen it go through so many phases and now, I mean, it seems like they kind of got it together. They, it seems like they are the, I would argue they're probably the deepest team in the NBA right now. Right. Like I, I think they actually do. And when it comes playoff time, that matters more. It, it speaks volumes in playoff time, you know, regular season, yeah. regular season. And eh, you know, it, it depends on the night, but playoff basketball, it definitely shows when your team has depth. Like that's why the right. Miami heat have been able to make some runs these last few years is because they do have depth with like Tyler hero and, um. Well, he's now not on the team anymore. Duncan Robinson, right. guys that come off the no, bench. Duncan are... Robinson's still on the team. Oh, was wait. I thought he's... he went somewhere. No, he he's not... on the Heat. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. But anyways, 
these guys that would come off the bench and, and do a lot of the work when Jimmy Butler's taking his minutes off the floor, when Bam Adebayo is off the floor, when Kyle Lowry was off the floor. So go, going into the playoffs, I see them being like the heat of this year with the depth. So I like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and between and between those two guys, uh, Bogdanovich and Burks, I mean, the one thing that stands out to me is that they trade guys that while young, uh, the thing that they gain a lot from that is shooting. And I, we talked a little bit about it whenever we were talking about Jalen Brunson uh, during the all-star conversations we had. And the one thing that these two players are going to just further for this Knicks team is the fact that they no longer are going to be a team that relies solely on their defense to win games. Like, I, I think that they could actually shoot their way back into games if they fall behind certain teams. Now with uh, Bogdanovich and Burks, I think that they, because they went to a team that, that, just these guys are doing nothing. They're rotting on one of the worst teams in the NBA in the Pistons. And you go and get two super efficient, maybe not Burks, but Boyan Bogdanovich, one of the better efficiency shooters from three in the league uh, right now. So uh, bravo to the New York Knicks once again. And outside of that, I, I think we talked enough about the trade deadline, but uh, that's pretty much it. That's all I have. I mean, other than that, I mean, people are getting wasted. The waste management opened this past weekend. In Phoenix, oh, I've seen but, the streakers but, and all that. Yeah. But uh, people are face planning after having too many to drink. But outside of that, uh, that's all we got in the sports world uh, this week. We will be back next week to talk about the NBA. We're going to talk. We're going to we're going to do a lot of like offseason discussion topic shows, especially with the uh, NFL in the NFL offseason. But don't. Don't fret. We are going to talk about the NBA and uh, my, you know, our cousin Nick reminded me the did you remember that the Euro cup is actually this year too? Yeah. It's in the summer. Yeah. I definitely want to talk Euro cup once we get in the summer too. Uh, but yeah, stick with us. And I appreciate you guys following us during the football season and we're not going anywhere. So keep listening. That's right. Peyton, anything else you'd like to add? That's, that's it, man. All right. Well, I would normally say good luck to all your teams, but uh, good luck to your off season. Hope everybody um, kind of makes peace with it as we usually do uh, early on. And then uh, we'll get football hungry come around July, like late July. Usually it's like, all right, it needs to come on with it. So um, all right, right man. man, y'all have a good rest of your week and uh, thank y'all for listening. Peace.